Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo, 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 what up, what up, what up? And welcome to the FIGHT podcast, the weekly combat sports and culture podcast. I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and this is episode 97, man. Um, Yo, we have a fun episode today, man. We're going to go ahead and break down all the fight news of the week. And yo, this week, man, it started off with some news, man. It's been a while since I feel like we've had some hot takes and some news like this, um, but I'm going to go ahead and jump all the way into it, man. But remember, before we get to that, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off of your first three months, man. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com subscribe listen rate and share we are currently everywhere podcasts are available man and do not forget to purchase merch today um man well look before we go ahead and jump into it man happy wednesday it's a rainy wednesday morning here in chicago um i hope you guys are having a great day wherever you are um but uh I woke up this morning like a regular Wednesday, man. I'm chilling, getting myself up today, getting my coffee going, writing in my journal, doing all I I, I do. I write in the journal in the morning. Man, I got to get my mind flowing in the right, you know, direction, in the right movement, man. It's actually something that I got from um, Tim Ferriss's podcast um, and his blog as well. And it's uh, the five minute journal. It's it's great. I felt like it's definitely helped me out, especially just getting my thoughts and everything organized in the AM. And uh, it's like you do five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, pretty much put what you're grateful for and all kind of other stuff. You look, you know, so um, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. But do that first thing in the morning, getting my coffee, rocking my water. And, uh, and I got the news floating. And out of nowhere, man, I get a little ding on my phone and I look up and fam. My heart dropped. It was one of those say it ain't so moments, man. It was definitely one of those say it ain't so moments. But one of my favorite fighters of all time, someone who I have said over and over again, I believe is top three pound for pound in the world. The UFC Bantamweight champion, TJ Dillashaw this morning is voluntarily 
giving up his Bantamweight title belt following an adverse USADA finding. So what does that mean? So TJ Dillashaw has been suspended for a year by the New York State Athletic Commission. Um, And the New York State Athletic Commission released a statement this morning that said that the NYSA Commission issued a one-year suspension and a $10,000 fine to Mr. Dillashaw for violations relating to the use of prohibited substances. We have no further comment. Yo, this is heartbreaking. So, my, my first thought is, Yo, what did he take? What did he do? TJ's one of those guys that, and I don't know if you guys have had an opportunity to check out his um, his conversation on the Joe Rogan experience. It was incredible. And he really sat down and broke down every little thing that he's putting into his body. He really has it down to a science. So hearing him essentially pissing hot completely caught me off guard. Now. Before we jump to conclusions, and I know especially this day and age, we always want to jump to conclusions. We always want to say, oh, look, he pissed hot, wipe our hands with it. We knew he was a cheater. And before I go ahead and get into that, man, let me read with TJ Dillashaw, because TJ Dillashaw on his own Instagram page posted this to all of my fans. I wanted to be the first one to let you know that USADA and the New York State Athletic Commission have informed me of an adverse finding in a test taken from my last fight. While words can't even begin to express how disappointed I am at this time, please know that I am working with my team to understand what has occurred and how to resolve this situation as quickly as possible. Out of fairness and respect to the rest of my division, I've informed the UFC that I'll be voluntarily relinquishing my title while I'll deal with this matter. I want to thank all of you in advance. And that was from TJ Dillashaw's Instagram page this morning. That is Wednesday morning. Um, yo, man. This, this really... So first and foremost, man, kudos to TJ. That's how you, in my opinion, that's how you get ahead of it. He was one, one it, the title wasn't stripped from him. He went ahead and relinquished the belt. So what that tells me, and again, this is just my opinion. My opinion, it makes me feel as if he feels as if he's innocent. And I feel that confident in my skill set that I can go ahead and get back at it. All right. Now, if we look at. And people are like, nah, Serge, you're tripping. He pissed hot. And you look at all the, the, for instance, the Cody Garbrandt fans. Something Cody Garbrandt said when in the buildup to his fight with TJ Dillashaw was, yo, he's on everything. He taught all of us how to do, uh, do steroids. It's a weird flex, but okay. You know, all right, homie, you going to tell him how you do juice too? But whatever. But he went ahead and said that that's what TJ Dillashaw did. I didn't believe it. And honestly, this is the first and only time that TJ has ever pissed hot for anything. What this does tell me is that TJ Dillashaw dropping to 125 pounds was by far the worst thing for his career. Not only did he take an unnecessary loss, now because of events stemming from that fight, 
he is suspended for a year, man. All right, so if we think about PEDs, right? They're supposed to really enhance um, performance and strength and whatever. If you look at TJ Dillashaw's game, he's one of the most analytical fighters out there. Skill-wise, his skill set tends to be higher than everybody else's. Will steroids help that or PEDs help that? I mean, his recovery, I guess, but in terms of performance, I think not. Now, am I being a little bit of a hypocrite because I've ripped John Jones for post-PED test? Well, no. And the reason is not being hypocritical because John Jones is pissed for the last five straight fights, four or five straight fights. This is the first time TJ has ever gotten anything. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt to this point in time, especially because at this point, we really don't know what it was. We don't know what happened. We have no clue. So that's the thing, man. Everybody's sitting back. We want to go ahead and judge and we want to see whatever it is. We cannot do that to this point in time. We legitimately have to wait. We got to wait, man. We have to wait and actually see exactly what it was. Was it a picogram? Because if it's a picogram, yo, you can chalk it up. Let him go back out there and do his thing. Is it a diuretic because he was cutting so much weight? What was it? So look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm holding my judgment until I actually know further details. And I'm be honest with you. I think it would be irresponsible for me or anybody else to go out there and actually say, yep, this is what it is. We knew it. We knew he was on something. Yo, that's just hater shit. Like, don't be a hater. Sit back, take your time. Let's actually see what happens now. Does it look bad? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This looks terrible. But at the end of the day, this also sets up one of the best and biggest redemption stories of all time. All right. What should the UFC do with the Bantamweight division? It has to move forward, and this is the division that's got some heat. Marlon Marais is absolutely the number one contender, and he deserves a title shot, so he has to be in there. Next up after him, who you have? Aljamain Sterling. He just starched dude about two a year and a half ago, but he's the next guy up also. And look, let me just go ahead and pull up the rankings really quick for the Bantamweight division. Number one, you got the champion, TJ Dillashaw. They have yet to strip him on the official UFC site. But you got Marlon Marias. You got Rafael Asensio. At two, you got Aljamain Sterling and Pedro Munoz. And then to, to, to round off the top five, you got Dominic Cruz. So Marlon Marias is 100% going to be in that fight. He just knocked out Rafael Asensio in the first round. He's not going to fight that guy in a rematch. Pedro Munoz just beat Cody Garbrandt, but Cody Garbrandt's lost three in a row. No one really is clamoring for that fight. I have to say, man, Dominic Cruz, we don't know when he's going to be back. So if I'm looking at the top five, they're probably going to go ahead and give Aljermaine Sterling and Marlon Marais a shot at that title. Um, 
Marlon had already dealt with him in the first round, but Al Jermaine has made some adjustments in his game. We'll end up seeing what ends up happening. Both guys fight out of Jersey, or should I say out of um out of that area in um in the uh the East Coast. So we'll end up seeing what happens with that. But I personally think that's what you should do with the division. Um, you got to give it to Marlon and Al Jermaine Sterling. And again, I'm just looking at the top 10. You're not going to give it to Rafael Sensau. You're not going to give it to Dominic Cruz. Cody Garbrandt absolutely isn't going to do it. Jimmy Rivera got two losses in a row. And then you're not going to give it to the number eight ranked guy in John Lineker. Al Jermaine, I'm a big fan of. I think he has made some adjustments in his game. And he can make, I don't know if he's going to be able to win that fight. But him versus Marlon Marais is actually a really great fight, man. So um, we'll see what ends up happening. But, yo, legitimately, man, my heart goes out to TJ Dillashaw, um, especially if he has not done anything wrong. And, again, I'm a fan of his, so I am holding judgment. You can clown me all you want. You can say, ah, Serge, you're right. And I'm a fan, so I got a soft spot. Um, But at the same token, you have to let this stuff kind of play out. So, man, we'll end up seeing what happens. All right, um, moving right along. So check this out, man. During a, a St. Patrick's Day celebration, um, Conor McGregor, the notorious one, was in um, was in Chicago. He was he was in my city. Um, we have one of the, if not like the biggest, uh, St. Patrick's Day celebrations out here. It's probably because we got the most bars in the world. So everybody loves getting it cracking here in Chicago. And it's um, one of those kind of celebrations that ends up, you know, at the, it's at the end of winter, you know, right before spring. Weather's starting to get a little bit better. So, yo, cats out here in Chicago are ready to get it, right? We're ready to get busy. We're ready to party. So St. Patrick's Day is huge um, out here in Chicago. Conor McGregor was out here as well. And he was um, asked a couple of questions while he was out here. And he was recently, they asked him about appearing on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. And he actually fired back on Joe Rogan. Started talking real spicy. And this is what he actually said about Joe Rogan. He said, I'd like to see Joe, I'd like to see him to call a fight how he sees it correctly. And not being reading off a script. This is what McGregor said. And this is transcribed by Damon Martin um, for MMA Weekly. The Diaz rematch. It was like he was reading from the first fight and the last one. He was talking about my face was being smashed in. I left the Afghan with a black eye the same way Narbrakomedov's two. And this is Connor saying two rat cousins left. His brother and his cousins left the Afghan with black eyes. So what was he talking about? Now, now, this is one thing I have to say, man. I've noticed Connor being... And yo, look, for the Connor fans who get mad at me for... And I've, I've gotten the comments. I've seen it. Yo, you're a Connor hater. You're this. Man, look, I am a fan of, of guys who are actually competing in the sport and being respectful to the sport. Look, I'm down for trash talk. But if you haven't won in over three years and all you're doing is talking, that means you're not being about that action. You're not about it. Even to the point, and I'm going to talk about it in a second, the way he actually tried to, and he keeps throwing shots at Max Holloway. 
So again, I'm going to go ahead and, and go back into that in a second, but I, I, I'm jumping back in this. Joe Rogan went ahead and actually responded on his episode this past week. And he said, look, man, that that is not really true because no one ever gives me a script. And that's a fact. I don't know what exactly he said. Maybe he didn't like my commentary, but I bet he likes it when he wins. And he said that as he laughed. Look, that's his perception. I understand what he's saying. Sometimes people think that, but it's very difficult when someone is calling your fights. If he's talking about me calling someone's fight that's not his friends, that makes so much more sense. It's fucking hard. It's hard for me. It, I have a really hard time calling fights, uh, calling friends fights. It's fucking hard. Um, he also goes on to say, I get his position. That DS fight was a good fucking fight. It was a hard fight. I wasn't calling it like the last fight. Let me get back into this, my bad. I wasn't calling this like the last fight. I had to call with the knowledge of the last fight. I had to know what happened in the last fight. In the last fight, Diaz survived the storm, tagged him, had him rocked, and then finished him on the ground. It doesn't mean that didn't have he didn't win the second fight. It was a close fucking fight. But the second fight was a very close fight. But you have to acknowledge that. That other fight took place. I don't know him that well, but I like him a lot. And I respect the fuck out of him. And that's what Joe Rogan said about Conor McGregor. All right, this is my opinion on this. Joe Rogan is an entertainer. Joe Rogan is by far the best color commentator in combat sports, period, point blank. Do I agree with everything that Joe Rogan says in his in his commentary? Man, no. Absolutely not. He's a human being, man. He makes mistakes. But one thing that I do know about Joe Rogan, and this is somebody who has been listening to him for years at this point in time, is that, yo, Joe calls it across the board, man. He legitimately calls it like he sees it. And if you don't like it, Yo, just change up, do, do something different next time. Win the fight. If he went out there and just completely demolished, are we supposed to forget what happened in the past? If there's a rematch with an individual, you have to be able to sit back and call it like you see it. Yo, the last fight, yeah, he looked good early, but remember what happened last time, but he came back. Yo, that's just facts. It's factual. Why would you sit there and actually be upset about it? Like, well, no, that's not what happened. But fam, what am I supposed to do? Forget it. Just have like, take everything out of my head and throw it to the side. Take this like it's a whole brand new thing. I've never seen you compete before. Oh, he's a superhero. Nothing can stop this dude. Yo, fam, that's not reality. That isn't reality at all. And one thing that I continue noticing about Conor McGregor and his criticisms and what he's been doing consistently is, yo, there is a, a specific amount of entitlement with this dude. Has he done a lot for the organization? 100%. He has taken MMA to another level of popularity. I will not knock that. I, I support that. As did Ronda Rousey. 
as did Brock Lesnar. These are individuals that have taken our sport and taken it to another level. With the guidance and the and the UFC and Dana White specifically choosing them and allowing them to sit there and get get that platform. Because is our Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor, the most talented fighters that we've ever seen? Man, hell no. Are they talented individuals? Are they talented athletes and fighters? Yes. I'll never take that from them. Extremely talented. And they had something that transcended sports. They had an, either a nation or a movement or an entire fan backing before they came in that people actually wanted to see them do well. They, that, that's what made them special. And one thing, for instance, that I really loved about Connor when he first got on the scene was his humility. He would talk trash, win, lose, or draw after the fight. He would sit there and salute his opponent. Yo, dude is a beast. Went out there, did his due diligence. Man, I appreciate it, man. I'm just trying to sell the fight. It's whatever. But then sometime around Dennis Seaver, you started to see a shift. When the UFC started to let him have a little bit too much control of the reins. Now, here's the thing, man. I'm all for, I'm all for people out there getting their money. I'm all for it. Which brings me to the next topic that I had already lined up. So check it out. Speaking of Conor McGregor. He says he will take a cold main event slot on one big condition. So check it out. Remember when uh, Conor McGregor and Cowboy was reportedly, it reportedly fell through, right? And uh, it ended up being over Conor McGregor refusing the co-main event slot. But Conor says he'd be willing to take a co-main event spot. And I quote, I'm ready to fight. I've said that, no problem. If the UFC wants me to slide into that co-main event and help what, it, what that is, okay, here's a, he says, <laughs> into that co-main event and help what that is. Me sliding into the co-main event, it's boosting their brand over fighter rhetoric that they have. There's no problem with that. But if they want me to push that, and I have no problem pushing that. Give me my rightful shares in the UFC company. That's all I ask. You can put me on the first fight of ESPN Plus, no problem. So let's see how it goes. All right. So, and again, this is Connor saying that the only way he will take a co main event fight is if. He's compensated in, in the in the form of them giving him part of the company. He wants to be a, a part owner. And if you don't, refer, if you haven't forgotten already, the last fight that McGregor ended up having when he ended up competing against uh, Khabib uh, last November, he actually was a co-promoter in that. So not only does he want a co-promotion check because I'm assuming they're going to do that every time he fights. He also wants them to give him a bigger slice or a chunk of the company itself. I think this sets a terrible precedent if they allow him to do this. Because really what he's doing right now, man, is he's trying to strong arm the company. And to me, I don't believe he has any grounds to stand on. I mean... He's getting off on trying to say, all right, look, I will take a co-main event. 
even though I deserve a main event. But remember, people, yo, my man's has it once in 2016. It gets to a point in time, and here's the thing, and I believe the UFC has to know this. And I think Connor knows this also. If you go out there and he loses, and again, I, I just talked about the, um, the, the rankings, right? Especially, let's look at lightweight rankings. They have Conor McGregor rated number two. If we go down any, anybody in the next top 10, it's going to be a dangerous fight for him. If he loses that fight, he has, again, he hasn't lost, he hasn't won since 2016, and he's going to have lost four out of his last five fights. And then if he's lost that many fights, he doesn't have the same allure. He doesn't have the same leverage. So this to me is a play on him pretty much saying, look, man, this is, this is my last shot. I need to get as much as I can and get out. I think he realizes it. He said something recently when he was talking about Khabib. He was saying that he essentially took Khabib lightly because of all the obligations and, and, um, and pretty much he said, he, it, it seemed like he was saying he kind of, you know, overlooked him. He overlooked certain aspects um, of what, uh, of Khabib's game. And this happens when you're champion. So he's trying to throw that on Khabib as well. Uh, so I, I don't know, man. I look at it. I think Connor is in a desperate spot right now. I mean, and again, we talked about um, earlier Max Holloway. Connor went out there and, and threw some shots at uh, Max Holloway on um, IG. And Max actually responded back. So Connor went ahead on IG um, a couple days ago, posted a picture, or on Twitter, should I say, posted a picture of him and Max Holloway. Pretty much, he was muffin dude in the fight that they had. And Max Holloway ended up pretty much responding back um, and talked about, that was me when I was 21, you were 25. And then he put another picture up, me at 25, Max Holloway was holding the belt. And we all know Max hasn't lost in, what, 14 fights? So that's a fight that um, I know a lot of fans would like to see. I know me personally, I would absolutely love to see that fight. So those are the type of things that we actually see that are upcoming. And again, Connor's been calling people out. But I mean, it seems like a desperate play, yo. It really does. If we think about it, I mean, he it feels like he's reaching. He's trying to keep his name in the news. Um, he's popping up everywhere. He's getting, you know, in trouble and stuff. I feel like these are desperate plays, man. He's reaching because he's not making news competing. He's not. So I've noticed it on social media. He has a lot of, again, a lot of big time fans, right? A lot of people that are going to ride and die with him regardless. But even they have to start seeing at this point in time, you have to see that it's really like, man, you know, his popularity. I mean, it's all predicated on winning. Look at Ronda Rousey. She was the queen of the world, man, out there. You know, she was legit Khaleesi out there. Working fools out. People didn't care. I mean, she was treating people like trash, flipping people, winning all kind of fights. But the moment she, getting movies and all kind of stuff, she was everywhere. Sports Illustrated, movies, ESPY Awards, everywhere. Ronda Rousey was right there. The moment she took a L, she disappeared. It's paused for a second. She came back. 
the, the roles, everything started coming back. She took another L. We have heard from her since until recently. Now she's a WWE, but as a actual fighter, I mean, her popularity is nowhere near what it used to be. And this, unfortunately, is what I kind of see coming uh, happening with Connor soon if he takes another L. And that's why I think he's out there shooting shots, talking trash and actually just behaving kind of like an ass, man. So, look, I- I'll leave him alone. I know uh, <laughs> people think I'm a Connor hater, man. But look, I'm not a fa- I'm not a-, a hater of Connor himself. As an athlete in there, I think he's incredible. I love watching him perform. But I hate that he comes with the rest of this nonsense, man, because it's unnecessary. Like I said, when he started, it was fun. Keep it fun, man. Stop making it so serious and thinking like, and again, that, that's that's my only issue with it. All right. Moving right along. Um, Dana White has gone on the record and says he does not blame Jorge Masvidal or Leon Edwards for the little tussle that it had after their fight this past weekend in UFC London. So um, this is from Dana White. A lot of people overreacted on the Conor McGregor Khabib thing. He's like, we had that thing contained like that. And he snapped his fingers. It's the fight business and our job to make sure that these things don't happen on stage, behind the scenes. But sometimes it does. I do, I, I do blame my staff. There's another scenario where you let guys walk up to each other like that backstage. I'm super disappointed in my, in my, in my whole crew for this one. These guys are fighters. They're in the heat of the moment. He just won. He got the adrenaline pumping. This guy comes by. Plus, Masvidal isn't that guy. He's that guy. You know what I mean. As soon as he started walking up to the ramp, holding his hands about his back, 10 people that work with the UFC should have jumped in there. That stuff shouldn't happen. Fighters don't live by the same rules that we live by. They're different. That's why they're professional fighters. They were put on this earth to do that. And this was uh, on uh, MMAfighting.com. So, yo, I have to say, I'm very happy that Dana White actually said this. I'm happy he said this. I'm happy that he admitted this. Um, And that's big of him, man. It, It makes total sense, man. And when you really look at it, I'm so happy that we still got Masvidal and Leon Edwards getting their money. I'm glad that Masvidal still got his performance bonus. I'm still I'm glad he still got his um his fight of the night. And again, dude, he ended up walking away with an extra 100k. It's beautiful, man. And it's cool for somebody like him. He's one of the old school dudes, man. He's been around forever. He's fought in every organization. Like dude is a dog. And I'm so happy that and I was wild that it's because of not knocking out Till and then beating up Leon Edwards afterwards. Um, but I'm glad he's finally starting to get that shine. And I'm going to be honest with you. He looks better than he ever has. He looks explosive. He looks healthy. That time off could have really benefited a man. And, um, and just to kind of bounce back to TJ Dillashaw, if he does have to take a year off for all people who are saying that, look, man, buddy's not going to be, he's gone. You know, the division's going to pass him by. He's going to be whatever. Look, man, Jorge Masvidal was in title contention, lost a couple in a row, took a year and a half off, almost two years off, came back and beat the number three guy in the world. Time off for MMA fighters can be a good thing. TJ is an active fighter. Jorge was an active fighter. These are active guys. They take time off. They're able to retool. 
And that's how you do it. You have time off, you can retool. And when he comes back, he might even be better, man. So keep your eyes open for uh, for TJ when he, whenever he does come back. But more importantly, man, right now, keep your eyes open for Jorge Masvidal, man. You know, go back, look at some of this dude's fights, man. And I'm so happy that Dana White actually um, decided not to uh to find buddy or anything man if he did yo that would have been crazy disappointing um all right man uh fight announcements there's been a couple big fight announcements coming up donald cowboy cerrone unfortunately he won't be fighting conor mcgregor like we were talking about and everybody was expecting but he is going to be fighting raging ally of quentin man um i can't wait to see this fight this one should be really really fun man ally of quentin's right now is rated number four in that uh, crazy lightweight division, uh, Cowboy Cerrone's rated number nine, man. So Cowboy's always going to be in the mix, man. He had a great fight against Alexander Hernandez last time out, got a quick finish. Um, whomever wins this fight, me personally, I think Al's probably going to take this, is right in the mix, man. Al, Dustin, you know, um, Edson Barbosa. I mean, all these guys, man, are in the mix. So that's going to be a really great fight. I can't wait for that one. Uh, what other ones? Alan jo- Joban is fighting Dwight Grand. Um, it's going to be good to see Alan Joban again. He's fun. Um, let me see who else, who else, who else. Mike Trezano versus Grant Dawson. That's going to be on ESPN 9. That's going to be fun. Uh, Patrick Cummings versus Ed Herman. Man, two old school dudes, man. Uh, that should be fun. That's also going to be ESPN plus nine on uh, May 18th. What else? Oh, and then Curtis Millender is fighting Chicago's very own Bilal Muhammad, man. So that's going to be on UFC 236 in Atlanta, man. That's the same card with um, Stylebender versus Kelvin Gastelum and Max Holloway against um, Dustin Poirier. All in all, man, that should be good. One. We got some good fights coming up, man. And uh, speaking of fights. Let's go ahead and talk about the this weekend, man. This weekend, we have UFC Fight Night. Um, UFC, man, has been pumping them out, man, back and forth. Um, and uh, But real quick, you know what, man? Before we get to that, let me go ahead and uh, pay some bills really quick, man. So uh, check it out. This is from Sage Eats. All right, guys. Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring, man. Fitness mentoring. These guys go ahead, write programming for you. All to your goals, you have a coach that comes and talks to you each and every week and sends you workouts with progressions uh, no matter where in the world you are. So go ahead and check that out. So remember, Sage Eats uh, offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, share. The Fight Podcast is everywhere. Uh, podcasts are available, man. So go ahead and check us out today. All right, man, we're back. And uh, let's go ahead and break down UFC Fight Night uh, Thompson versus Pettis, man. I can't wait to see this one, honestly. I think this is actually going to be an entertaining card. Um, let's go ahead and pull everybody up, man. But obviously, it is headlined by uh, Anthony Pettis, uh, who is the number eight ranked lightweight in the world right now. And he's going to go ahead and fight against the number three ranked um, welterweight in the world. So he's going to have bumping bump up weight to do this. I'm going to be honest with you. When I first heard about this fight, look, I'm excited about it. 
I really am, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Anthony Pettis fan. And I mean, look, especially when he's been around for a long time. I mean, buddy's been on the Wheaties box. He is a superstar. I'm fighting out of uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, it's funny, man. Um, he's one of those guys that I always like looked up to when I start, first started competing. Um, all the way back in the WEC days. Um, you know, Latin dude, you know, out there throwing flashy kicks. Great, really, really fun to watch, man. And again, I'm a huge fan of him. Uh, Wonderboy Thompson, another dude, man. Probably the nicest dude ever in uh, MMA, um, but super dangerous, man. He has some something crazy like a 50 and 0 with like 49 knockout uh, kickboxing record. Uh, but he's also 14 and 3 um, and a draw in um, in MMA. Both dudes are nasty. Anthony Pettis is a former lightweight uh, title title holder, and Stephen Thompson has fought twice for the welterweight strap, man. So these are some of the best in the world. Um, Anthony Pettis is moving up in weight for this fight. A lot of people didn't know why he was doing this. Um, like Stephen Thompson, he actually didn't understand it either. But look, they made the fight anyways. Um, if you look at the like how everything is set up, um, look at the height, man. There's a huge height difference for a Wonder Boy. Um, Wonder Boy, six feet tall. Anthony Pettis is five ten. Uh, the reach Wonder Boy has a seventy five inch reach. Uh, Anthony Pettis actually has a seventy two point five inch reach. Leg reach, um, actually really similar. Uh, Anthony Pettis forty inches and Stephen Thompson uh, forty one inches. So, Wonder Boy is a bigger, longer dude, right? Um, but the thing about it is, isn't just his size in terms of height. He fights longer. And yes, they both have a kickboxing background. Anthony Pettis is, Pettis is fantastic at kickboxing. Um, but Wonderboy does an incredible job of keeping individuals. Um, he has more of that karate style. Uh, even though, yes, is still based in kickboxing, where he's throwing his, his leg kicks and doing that. Um, he still has a lot of this karate style where his hands are down. And he, and he really does keep, uh, excuse me, he keeps distance. Anthony Pettis has more of a Muay Thai style. Um, he'll come in, hammer body kicks, hammer leg kicks, and uh, utilize some of his boxing. Um, this fight should take place on the feet. It should. Ideally, it should take place on the feet. Uh, but um, I'll say if anybody has an advantage in the grappling, I would say it's probably Anthony Pettis. Um, even though Wonder Boy has some solid wrestling in his own right compared that he's actually... Uh, He's actually um, trains with Chris Weidman from time to time. So, I mean, dude, it should be a good one. Both men have knockout power. Both men are veterans, man. Both men are uh, are really, really slick with their stand-up. But um, my heart wants me to go with Anthony Pettis. But I think stylistically, when I look at it, you, you kind of got to go with Stephen Thompson. I think he's going to be able to keep his um, keep him at, at, at range. And I think he's going to be able to confuse uh, Pettis with his variation of strikes. Now, I hope I'm wrong. I can absolutely see Anthony Pettis getting creative. And the fact that he doesn't have to worry about the takedown, he will actually be able to open up is something that we haven't actually seen in a long time. I mean, so anything can happen. But I think Steve Seven Thompson is just a bigger guy. He's a natural welterweight. Anthony Pettis is moving up to fight him. I have to go with a Wonder Boy in a decision. All right, next fight. I'm excited about this one, man. Uh, we have Chicago's very own Curtis 
Razor Blades, uh, the number four ranked heavyweight in the world um, with a 10 and two record. Both of his losses are actually against Francis Ngannou, against one of the Fight Podcast uh, friends, man, has uh, come on the show before. Justin Big Pretty Willis, man. If you haven't had an opportunity, please go out and check out the uh, interview that we've had recently with Justin Willis. Uh, dude is hilarious. Dude is super smart. Um, one of the best interviews that we've ever had here on the Fight Podcast. All right, Justin Willis is 8-1. and one. Uh, Curtis Blades is 10-2, and two, man. Um, again, this is number four versus number 10. The heavyweight division is starting to get nuts, man. We do not know who's actually going to end up competing for anything you know what i'm saying we don't know who's gonna end up being in this title picture we don't know who dc is gonna end up fighting next steep base still out there but these are two of the the young guys that are actually also making noise and can essentially fight for a title or be titled uh, challengers in the very near future um all of us know curtis blades man um he was starting to talk a big game um he has some really really big wins under his belt great wrestling we all know about him. Ended up getting touched up um, in his rematch against uh, Francis Ngannou. Look, no shame in that. But people looking at the odds, man, they think that he's going to end up walking over Justin Willis. And I can't lie. I have to say, nah, man, hold on. Wait a minute. And it's not just because Justin Willis has been on the show when I've talked to him. And yes, I, I do. You know, when people come on, I, I, I cheer for them. But if I look at this fight stylistically, we forget who Justin Willis trains with. Yes, Curtis Blades has all the accolades as a, as a wrestler, as a collegiate wrestler. But Justin Willis has trained his entire career with Daniel Cormier and Cain Velasquez over at American Kickboxing Academy over in San Jose, California, man. So when I think about that, he has trained on a daily basis with individuals who I believe are better than Curtis Blades. I think his stand, his striking is far better. I think he has crisper punches. And he does an incredible job with his forward pressure to be able to dictate where the paid the fight goes and end up landing great combinations. I see Justin Big Pretty Willis getting a second round KO against Curtis Blades. Um, nothing against Curtis Blades. I think he is an absolute stud. I do. And he could get a takedown and keep him down and control the match that way. I just don't see it happening. Um, I got big pretty on this one, man. I think he's going to go ahead and get the upset win against Curtis Razor Blades. Um, man, we got John Medeski fighting, uh, Jesus Pen, Pen Edo, Pen Edo. Um, Medeski's old school, man. Um, I got to go with Medeski. Formiga. Ooh, this should be a good one, man. Uh, we have uh, Jessica Formiga versus the undefeated uh, Figueroa. Figueredo. These dudes are nasty, man. Figueredo, man, is somebody who has crazy power in the 125-pound weight class. I think he's definitely going to fight for a title soon. Um, but he has to get past the number one, Formiga. Both dudes are nasty, man. Both guys are well-rounded. Formiga's 22-5. and five. Um... Figueredo is uh, 15 and 0. I'm going with the underdog, man. I'm going Figueredo. I think he's going to go ahead and actually get a big win. He's durable. He comes forward and he's a beast on the ground. Um, man, I, I just got to rock with him. Rocking with him, even though he's the number four guy going against the number one guy. Um, Luis Pena's fighting on this card. Let's go ahead and rock with uh, Crazy Bob Cook, man. That's going to be um, 
that's going to be him. And then, so look, man, all in all, this is a, a decent card, man. It's not a bad card at all. Um, it's going to be fun. This is going to be this Saturday. And uh, it's Saturday in, um, what is it, Kentucky? Kentucky or Kansas, something like that. Nashville, damn, my bad. <laughs> it's at the Bridgestone, Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee, man. Uh, that's going to be this Saturday. Um, oh, and another big piece of news that I forgot to talk about earlier, which is crazy. Um, I think this is pretty awesome. All of the UFC's pay-per-view content from now on is actually going to be exclusively streamed through ESPN Plus. They're their official distributor and um, the UFC had a five-year contract with ESPN. Now it is bumped up to seven years, man. I think this is a great thing. Everything is going towards streaming. Every little thing is going towards streaming. You have to love what um, what's going on with the UFC right now. Um, I've been hard on Dana White. I have been. I really have been. But I'm be honest with you. What he has been doing recently with the UFC and all the deals that have been going on him, our Emmanuel, what they're doing um, over there and um, with ESPN and the way they're growing the brand, dude. Some of these, and I know I feel like I've been I ride. ESPN and the UFC's nuts all the time on here, man. But um, some of the content and the the videos and the features that they do is better than anybody else, man. They do some incredible jobs and they tell stories. ESPN does an amazing job of telling stories and they're really telling the stories about these athletes, man. And um, Dana White believes that the UFC MMA is one of the top, the big four um, sports here in the States. I would discuss that with somebody with you guys very soon. But if you think about it, you have football, you have basketball, you have baseball. Has MMA surpassed hockey? Has MMA surpassed soccer? Has MMA surpassed all the other sports that are big here in these states? I, I would have to say so. And I think this ESPN deal is helping out with that a lot. All right, man. Um, with that being said, man, that's about all the time we have for today. Um, thank you, as always, for joining me on the Fight Podcast. This is episode 97, and I am your host, Serge Vicente. Man, remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring, man. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off of your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check out the website, thefightpodcast.com. If you need merch, holla at me. Subscribe, listen, rate, and share. The Fight Podcast is everywhere podcasts are available, man. With that being said, man, again, thank you guys for joining me. We'll be back again this week. Again, we're going to be talking about... um. Uh, we're going to be talking boxing. We're going to head to our pre-fight show and we're going to get ready for this 100th episode, man. We're going to have a great time with that. So you guys have a good one. I'll holler at you guys next time right here on the Fight Podcast. Peace out.